I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. It's the first part of episode 32, and Graham McMillan and I start off by examining reaction to one of his recent online articles, before going on to discuss comics like Criminal and Captain America by Ed Brubaker, Amazing Spider-Man by Diane Slott and Marcos Martin, Punisher Max issue 11 by Jason Aaron and Steve Dillon, James Robinson's two Jimmy Olsen specials, Aaron and Ahmed by Jay Cantor and James Romberger, and other upcoming releases and news. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Jeff Lester! <laughs> Hello, sir. I kind of like that the um, the sound all but cut out on you in the middle of that. Like, even it was... <laughs> I have to warn you, there may be some weird internet thing going on um, with our connection today. Oh, yeah. Uh, because for some reason, uh, our web has been really slow to load hmm. today. So we might suddenly lose each other. I will keep that in mind, um, and we will we will just have to persevere. We'll see what happens. How are you, anyway, sir? Oh, I'm fine. Internet I was the dentist. public enemy number one. Oh, uh, yes, the dentist. Wait, 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 hang on. I'm internet public enemy number one. Well, yes. So it seems oh, I... the Rod Mars thing. Yeah, dear <laughs> uh, dear listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, I write a weekly column for um, Robot Six, the comic book resources blog, uh, and I spent yesterday's column talking about my irrational. A prejudice against Top Cow in such a way I thought that I was pointing out that it was completely irrational and that I was an idiot for having it. Um, that was clearly not the case for everyone who read it and so I got roundly um, attacked by many, many people uh, for being uh, I think it's fair to say in their eyes, stupid enough not to, not, uh, to read Top Cow's books and love Ron Mars endlessly. Um, the nicest person I talked to from the whole thing was Ron Mars himself. Oh, really? Yeah, who was like, you know, I completely respect, you know, this piece. I'm sad that you you didn't end it with, and so I'm going to read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I send you books, will you read them? Mm-hmm. And I was like, of course I'll read them if you send them to me. And he, he was like completely upfront. He's like, okay, I'll send you books, and then you can tell me whether you think the the prejudice was well placed or not. Right. Which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Meanwhile, other people are just like, fuck you! <laughs> fuck you for not reading Witchblade! Well, um, so yeah, the, the whole thing was just surreal. Yeah, it was kind of surreal. It, well, cause it I was, saw one, your... of those, it was yes. one of those moments where I really thought I'd written... I, I thought I'd made it clear that like I was making fun of myself and saying this prejudice was pointless and irrational. And everyone else was just like, no! Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. I have a couple of points here, Graham, having looked at it briefly myself. One is is Ron Mars's is his like little message board name like his last name backwards? I have absolutely no idea. Cuz I'm just curious because for example, although it sounds like he was quite decent to you on Twitter, Oh no! Um, if, if you're talking about the comments? No, if, if, I mean, if it, put this way, if it is him, it's him as a sock puppet. Whenever he leaves comments, he leaves comments under his real name. Oh, okay, good. All right, that's fine. As long as people are, because it was Z R A M, and someone was like, "What a waste of an article!" And I'm like, "Huh, that's not cool." But you know, if that is not him, I think uh, I I officially rescind my my uh, certain amount of like. No, no, whenever he leaves comments, no, whenever he leaves comments, he is upfront and like it's it's me. Oh, good. Well, you know. uh, and like I said, like talking to him, he was completely like he he was just like you know I'm sad that you're not reading them, but I can completely understand what you wrote. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I he was completely fair. Um, but yeah, just the, the the reaction was was just funny, and there was a spectacular spectacular for two reasons. A Twitter conversation I had with someone called Martin John, who also um, commented on the article itself. Mm-hmm. who was pretty much like, I understand where you're coming from, but you're really missing out. And at one point he said, I'm trying to find it. Ta-da. I would suggest that you add a little bit of curiosity into your Wednesday shopping, not just snobbery that includes a Grand Morrison fetish, who has always been hit or miss. And I was kind of like, you really have never read anything I've written in that column before. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, So that was that was... Awesome in a sort of like, wow, you you know, you really have not read anything I've written. 
But the second awesome part about that is later he was like, I hope you didn't take too much offense to my comments. Which I thought was really nice. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's the internet. Taking offense really gets you nowhere. And he was like, I know, but still, which is just like lovely. Well, that's great. My goodness. Yeah, Ron, 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 Mars, Ron Mars has both the nicest and uh, most vocal fans, I'm going to say. Yes. Yeah, the fans appear to be certainly very vocal. But uh... as I said in prior remarks, I never really hope that I like these books. <laughs> because if I read them and I dislike them when I say that, I, I'm just going to be toast. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you read them and you're like, I have to say, they're worse than I thought. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Remember all those things I was saying about being worried that the art was going to be really 1990s and like overly rendered? It's true. And then they were like, fuck you. <laughs> Well, it was interesting because I did think that, um, you know, my initial response was, of course, grounded in a, a very strong defensive view. So I'm like, come on, everybody, like, lighten up a little bit. And I don't know. I, I thought well, the, the whole thing very. Sorry. Any... Oh, no, no, no. I thought you had been, I thought, very even handed and very quick to point out your own biases, you know. Um, well, the whole point I did it really was. Partially because I did see the remarks thing, and I was like, I have no interest in reading that. I was like, why? Why do I have no interest in reading right. that? Right, exactly, exactly. But also, for like 40, whatever, 44 episodes before that, I was basically every week being like, you should give this a try. You should give this a try. You should give this a try. And I was like, <laughs> I should admit that like there are things I have absolutely no reason to dislike, but dislike, and haven't even read. Like, yeah. know nothing about, but mm-hmm. dislike. And I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought oh, there's an irony there, and instead, all oh, yeah, people are like, "No, no," <laughs> which was awesome. I mean, it really was. It was just surreal as well because I'm trying to get work done, and I look on Twitter, and I'm like, "Wow, people are just like going after me for something." Oh, that's why. <laughs> oh yes. I oh, see. that'll be it. <laughs> well, um, yeah. But yeah, well, I, I should I should open up my Wednesday shopping. Yes. Like, yes. I really should. It's yes, Graham, you're kind of, you know, I mean, stuck in your ways. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it is true. Well, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yes, yes. Well, that that's the good thing about this podcast is hopefully by us managing to to talk in our although you know i think we have in we do have actually very broad tastes it's just when we uh start talking we do end up obsessively covering certain parts of you know ground i mean we mention things that we're reading every once in a while but in terms of like obsessively fixating on say the justice league or something like that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's true although i'll tell you something that i read uh this week and was really I don't, I don't know if I was surprised I liked so I expected to like it but was surprised how much I liked it was Stitches by David Small I think his name is I've got it beside me yeah David Small he did this book called Stitches mm-hmm. um, which is published by W.W. Uh, w. Norton huh. so so people may not have seen it at their local store um, it is a memoir of David Small's childhood he is a kids book author for the most part mm-hmm uh, but when he was a child, he is the son of a, an X-ray operator and a housewife. When he's a child, the, at one of his father's parties, someone says, oh, look, you've got a growth in your neck. And mm-hmm. uh, he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, it's completely benign. Mm-hmm. You, you'll be fine. We'll have surgery. We'll take it out. His mother freaks out. Surgery is going to cost too much. So they do nothing for three years. He has the, sur- he has the surgery. He wakes up after the surgery and they're like, we didn't really get it out. We're going to give you a second surgery tomorrow. But everything's cool. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up after the second surgery and he can't talk because they've taken one of his vocal cords out. Oh, man. It gets better or worse, depending. And this is all like spoiler stuff, but this also does not ruin the book. And I'll explain why in a second. Um, years after that, he discovers by accident that it wasn't benign. It was cancer and no one told him. Wow. So wait a minute. If th- did they know it was cancer and they still yes. chose not to operate? No, th- apparently. Wow. Hmm. Um. So it's it's. I mean, it's a stunning story, if nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the execution is spectacular. Hmm. Uh, it's a really, really, really good book, and 
especially the art. The art is just beautiful. The art is just breathtakingly beautiful. Uh, he's got such line work. It, it's it's just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. I can't recommend it enough. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I look at that. We're actually talking about comics. Like, no, I know, which is great. Right out like, of the gate. Yeah, twelve minutes into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's some laser-like focus, isn't it? <laughs> that that won't happen. We're gonna have to like head horribly off topic. The funny part was, uh, so I got this book at the library because that's what I do. At the same time that I got a biography of Randy Newman at the library, mm-hmm. and I was going to start off talking to you about Randy Newman, but instead we talked about comics. Right. Oh, well. I know. Well, it's almost because... like the comics podcast, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. Like, how disappointing is that? Well, part of me is like, I'm just chomping at the bit because I went to the comic store on Thursday for the first time in maybe three weeks or something like that, and I had so many fucking comics. And then, thanks to the miracle of either a stomach flu or some sort of food poisoning, I spent Friday at home instead of at work, uh, and I spent a lot of time lying around reading comics. So I feel like I'm super versed in like, yeah. Tell me me everything you read. uh, Well, uh, you know. Tell tell, tell me whatever you're jumping in the bits. Tell me. Well, no, 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 no. Exactly. Uh, I I will give you a partial list because one of the things that I did that was um, kind of dumb is I should have written down everything as I was reading it because then for the first time in forever I sorted out my long box uh, that I have like lying around in the back room is like okay, oh well, that, that's this. that's proof that you're sick yeah exactly exactly so uh, well, <laughs> and me... nothing else, that suddenly seems like a good idea to sort out your long box you know it totally it's kind of weird it's one of those one of those deals where it's like yeah I don't know why I put it off so often because I'm actually usually really glad that I did it because I normally my stuff's just all a mess and what's great is for me normally um, well let's just I, I'll, I'll get to it as I go through it but like for example I never read uh, the last issue of the criminal arc like um, criminal issue number five from the sinners like we're several issues into the next arc of incognito and I'm, I was always like yeah whatever happened to the end of that like story and, and so, it turns out you'd bought it and never known. yeah yeah, read it. I bought it and then didn't get around to reading it. So um, that was pretty damn good. And in fact, uh, I actually sat down and read the last 10 issues of Captain America, which I am—I was utterly behind on. I read from issues 605 to 615. So that's. But I will lay money that it read better reading it in a one-er as opposed to reading it monthly. Uh, I, yeah. I honestly think Brew Baker's been in that mode for mm-hmm. quite some time. That his stuff reads really well in collections and does not read so well in single issues. Well, you know, actually, I think that, uh, like, looking at it craft-wise, I kind of thought that he's got a really good rhythm for the single issues in that he usually has some sort of, you know, verse-course-verse kind of thing. You know, it's like fight-conversation-fight or conversation-fight-conversation kind of thing. His only problem is it's too regular. Like, the Captain America, those ten issues, it really covers all this great stuff, and it's, you know, Bucky gets put on trial for his previous time as, as uh, you know, the Winter Soldier, and it's a, it's a, that's a fine little arc. Um, so, yeah, it was an absolutely enjoyable read, and I really did find myself going, especially with all the various old Marvel character shout-outs and stuff like this, kind of like, wow, this is the book, this really is kind of like the book for me. And yet, I was at least a year behind, you know, so... Uh, no, I, I really found that with Brubaker as well, and that's why I ended up stopping getting the single issues and picking up the collections. Right. Because whenever I'd read them in a group, I'd be like, this is spectacular! This is really, especially around the, the death of Cap. Yes. Era. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is great. This is so well plotted. This is so well paced. You know, I'm completely into this. And then I started picking, picking up the books and single issues. And I was like, this is not working for me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I read the same stories in collection and it did. Yes. It, it for some reason, does not have the immediacy. Yeah, there's something about the immediacy, I think, which is weird. Because honestly, I can read an individual issue of Brubaker's. And for me, it is... I don't know, better plotted and has more more stuff to it than, say, just a regular single issue by Bendis, for the most part. Um, sure. And, and yet, weirdly, I don't necessarily find it 
especially satisfying either. So yeah, it's really weird. You can recognize that technically it's mm-hmm. it's incredibly good, mm-hmm. but there's no. I can't wait to see what happens next month. Right. Even 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 as with the cap stuff, he does a great job of building a cliffhanger into each issue it's just weirdly enough there's just not a sense of urgency there that I can't figure out why that would be the case um, but it, do you not find it especially weird when you read it in collection and you can you have a sense of urgency then it's almost yes. like you have to have like two or three issues and then the momentum gets so much or like I just have to finish this yeah but like yeah. each issue alone does not for some reason build up that momentum no exactly it's a very slow but steady kind of uh rhythm to it and yeah once you once you throw a bunch of them together it's it's i mean that that those those 10 issues all sucked me in and it was it was really satisfying i put it down when that was great you know but but yeah, each individual issue doesn't necessarily have that much oomph to it. So, or or as much oomph as you think that it would. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. really fascinating. Uh, but but those two pieces really uh, fun reads. Um, what else did I read? I finally caught up on Iron Man five hundred um, and Amazing Spider Man six fifty five, which was that gorgeous Marcus Martin. Um, which I have not read. I, I've heard many, many, many people basically being like, wow, if nothing else, just look at this book. Well, that's but, it. Uh, but my, my local store didn't have it. So. Yeah. Which is it was... good news well, for Dan. It sold out, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I honestly thought that um, the first half of it has very little dialogue. In fact, maybe no dialogue. And then as it gets more and more into the dream sequency stuff, then you start getting the dialogue to it. And it's weird kind of how much more trite it gets to me. And I, I'm trying to figure out if that's like Dan Slott's failing or just maybe something about kind of where I'm at. Cause Marcus Martin's art all throughout is fucking awesome. Like there's a great, I mean, as you know from from just our page there's that amazing page of the you know sort of the spiral of spider-man's origin with like uncle ben in in the middle you know with his bloody chest or something and it's it's a gorgeous piece of work and i only had seen the you know sort of the the promo art for it uh and then when you pick up the issue um slot has added just a few words, not many, just enough of like, no, it's happening again. There's the thief. I've got to catch him kind of thing. And it really flattens out. There's an amazing scene where, where Peter's like wandering across a New York. That's almost like an Escher like landscape. And he keeps coming across people who've died. Um, Mm -hmm. and they are saying things to him. And again, looking at it as just a scene it's awesome but once people are actually like saying shit it's not it it really missed a lot for me maybe you won't have that same well, feeling i i may do because what i found a lot about dan slot i might even have said in this podcast before is i think he's great at ideas and i think he's not so great at execution yeah. And I've found a lot of his Spider-Man work, especially since he's taken over as solo writer, mm-hmm. to be lacking. Mm-hmm. And lacking in a way that I'm not really sure I could explain what's lacking about it. Mm-hmm. But just it just falls short somehow. Yeah, I don't I don't get it either. I mean I, I should because I've been, you know, had signed up for it uh you know post big time you know or or whatever it's in it's i'm following it now that it's supposedly a regular you know one team book and uh i i'm i don't know i'm i'm hesitant to say it but i i think you're right that there's something in in slots writing that that it's almost like he's got like a like you said it's something in the execution he's got a great idea of sort of who Spider-Man is and how Spider-Man works. Um, but it's almost, I don't know. There is something that's kind of wrong. Again, part of it was, this was kind of, it may just be the fact that Marcus Martin was actually doing stuff so visually great that managed to both be, um, 
a shout out to sort of classic Spider-Man work and yet was also something new, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's not matched by Dan Slott's stuff. Everything, all the characters, everything that everyone's saying is pretty much Spider-Man 101. Kind of sure, but in the same... Business, but you know? first of all, yeah, I think Slott does that a lot. I think he... he I think his love of Spider-Man actually stops him being a great Spider-Man writer. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly, I think if you're measuring him against uh, Marcos Martin, I think he's he's always going to lose. I think the greatest writer in the world was because yeah. I think Marcos Martin really does do Ditko plus Romita and add something else. And add something else, exactly. Uh, he, he really adds a... Um... I guess a kind of uh, formalistic playfulness that you just don't get from that you didn't get from either Romita or Ditko. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think... there's there's something weirdly Eisnerish about a lot of his layouts for me, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and which you know is like, yes, he's Steve Ditko meets Will Eisner meets John Romita Senior. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, who who could live up with that? But he kind of does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like his work is stunning. Yeah. No. It's um, absolutely phenomenal. And so for that alone, it was great. But I was fascinated. No, but the same time, I think I think the writing's always going to fail mm-hmm. against that mm-hmm. because part of you is always going to be thinking, you know, this is the greatest looking Spider-Man book I've read in years, and the story, eh. Right. But like, I my my problem with slot is that. I've had that feeling with all of his collaborators. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, this art's better than this writing. Right. Um, which is a problem when the artists have included Humberto Ramos and Stefano Coselli, neither of whom are my favorite artists. Do you know what I mean? Like, both of whom I can leave. Right. And I'm still thinking this art deserves better writing. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a tough it's really a tough call, and I wish I could figure out kind of what he's doing wrong, uh, or or if he's doing something wrong. But it, it was it was interesting to me how it, it got sort of got caught up short. Um, also, in the gee, I'm strangely disappointed by this uh, category: Wolverine number six and Punisher Max. I think number ten. I think the um, which is actually the first issue that I've picked up post Ennis um, the conclusion of the the bullseye mm-hmm. storyline by um, Jason Aaron and Steve Dillon I actually ended up enjoying it a tremendous deal so I'm not exactly sure why I'm disappointed I think and of course it's like the last issue of like five or something like that and it's the first issue you read yeah it's the first issue I've read so yeah. I mean it's got a lot kind of it's kind of absurd that I have any grounds to criticize it at all. And in fact, what happened was I read it and I'm like, this is great. I really like it. And the thing that I find fascinating is, especially with Steve Dillon in place, I'm really aware of what a good job Jason Aaron's done um, at learning how to sort of pace his comic beats like Garth Ennis. Mm -hmm. He really is one of the few people I've seen that I think really looked at how Ennis paces himself and builds to things and makes it work. And you can even see it in something like looking at it and then looking back at some of the other Aaron stuff that I, I've read and liked. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, it's more than just, you know, I've seen the two of them, Aaron and Dylan, work together. And it sort of makes sense to me that, you know, in that context, especially seeing the two of them do the Punisher together, that, of course, you're going to think of Ennis and Dylan's Punisher but I was really surprised that, A, um, just kind of how remarkably well Aaron has copied the the style of Ennis' storytelling, and B, how much more flat I find it than even Ennis when it falls flat. So, like, the Punisher, the Punisher fighting um, Bullseye is just supposed to be a, an issue-long kind of gross over the top knockdown drag out fight and for the most part it works really well except I don't know you know when you read something and you like it and then like three hours later you think back on it and you go yeah no that wasn't as good as I thought it was you know oh like, yeah I, I completely know that because I had that experience with the book that I'll talk about later 
Oh, good. Um, so I found that that was really the case. Like, I was like, oh, hey, this was great. And then I went back and I'm like, nah, you know, Aaron, despite doing some really good work, um, there's something kind of, he never fully quite commits to it in a way, it seems to me. Like, kind of a classic example is, uh, sometimes on his fight scenes, he has a tendency to cut away and cut back. And I don't know if that's just squeamishness or he's not interested in fight scenes or he thinks they're, they're faintly ridiculous. But there's not just one, but there's actually two separate sequences where he cuts away from the fight between Bullseye and Daredevil and he cuts back. Bullseye and Daredevil. Bullseye and the Punisher. And in fact, he cuts back. And it's it's I know part of it is for comedic effect because he cuts back and like... Bullseye actually has nails sticking out of his head, you know, um, because they've gotten into a fight right next to a bunch of hardware supplies, and it's kind of funny. But at the same time, it was also really... It was cheap. There's there's still something in Aaron's work that I find that's essentially kind of cheap. See, that, what, what I find amusing about that is I find so much of Annis' work cheap. Right. You're, you're like, it's cheap. <laughs> My first thought was, so it's very Ennis is raising men. <laughs> well, but I feel like Ennis, to me, Ennis comes and goes. There's times when Ennis's work is super cheap and it misses the mark, and there's times when it actually hits the mark. You know what I mean? And I'm not really sure how much Aaron's hit the mark yet for me. I feel like... I feel like Aaron has hit the mark for you a lot. I feel that very often we're talking, especially in this podcast, about mm-hmm. how much you have been surprised by liking something by Aaron. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, you're right. So I really vacillate on him a lot more than, than Ennis. And of course, I, I mean, I think I've talked about Ennis with a certain amount of reservations on my own, but they tend traditionally to be sort of more things that I don't like about him thematically. I actually enjoy where Aaron's coming at from a more thematic angle. It, it may be that part of why I find his stuff cheap is he actually kind of doesn't have the same appreciation for nastiness quite that that uh, that Ennis does, but he has an appreciation for, I don't know, suffering or male pity, I guess, you know, that, that I appreciate. Um, but like, the, you know, this issue of Wolverine is very much like, thank God it didn't have, you know, the absolutely absurd supervillain gang named after body parts but it does have this whole sequence where it's like Wolverine's like possessed by a demon and he's not fully in control of his body and the X-Men Again? show up and they're ready to kill him well what happened was the first the first five issues the demon's fully in control and Logan's in hell oh and now Wolverine's fighting the demon he, exactly so now he's back in his body but the demons won't leave so he is himself, but he's also capable of cutting, you know, jumping on people and threatening to cut them up and, in fact, stabbing a few guys. And uh, Cyclops and the X-Men, you know, Cyclops, Magneto, and Namor have shown up with essentially a Wolverine killing protocol that they have, you know, practiced in the danger room. And they're ready to break it out. And meanwhile, you've got, like, the Ghost Riders and son of satan and wolverine's girlfriend kind of trying to stop them and you've got wolverine running around acting like a crazy fool the art's actually very pretty but it was kind of a meh it, w- it was one of those issues where i'm like it's not nearly as meh as i was afraid it was going to be um but it was still pretty meh i thought so i thought so who's, com- just, who's doing art these days daniel Kuna? you know it it was I don't know if it was Akuna or not. This is one where it's like, I wish I had the issues nearby me. Akuna did pop up doing the art on something. Let's say that it was him. It was quite lovely, and it was lovelier than the past five issues. So I think it was either a different artist or, at the very least, a different inker. It's, think- it's definitely a different artist. I just am wondering whether it's Akuna, because I remember that uh, Renato Guides right. was doing the first five issues, who I think was doing a spectacular job in Superman over at DC. Right. Uh, basically disappeared from Superman in the middle of a story. Mm-hmm. Showed up at Marvel, did these five issues, and then disappeared again. Right. And it's like, huh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if he needs like a huge head start to get to running, because he did the Superman versus Atlas stuff that was actually... Uh, he did, true. and then he did uh, the first half of Robinson's Monel mm. storyline. Um, and his stuff there is lovely. I mean, mm-hmm. just... 
because the stuff with Atlas I think is nice and he was doing some great villain work for DC before that in Superman books but by the time he gets to doing the Monel stuff there's I don't know what it is but there's something that's just absolutely gorgeous about his art Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's good stuff I looked it up on the internet Uh, Daniel Kuna is is indeed the artist for it and uh, for Wolverine 6 which reminds me I'm so glad that you mentioned it Something else that I read that I forgot to list is back when Comixology put on the entire New World of Krypton sale. You know? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, which was amazing. Yeah, it was kind of great. Um, I only used it to snag the two Jimmy Olsen specials because I love the first oh. issue. And I and the second issue is the one that I think you pointed out. It ends up with him being shot and falling. Yes. In, and, yeah. And, and then they like, then they pretend not to do anything with that blow for like three months. Which, which really? I loved. I loved <sighs> that. It was so completely random. Well, it does make me wonder because the first issue of that Jimmy Olsen special has kind of has a real urgency to it. And I sort of feel like Robinson Wait. had plans and basically got sideswiped by this new Krypton storyline. Oh, no. The, the, all those plans show up in uh, the, the Adventure Comics special that followed really soon afterwards. Uh-huh. Uh, and then go straight into New Krypton. All of that, like, that's all genuinely part of one massive story he's doing. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear it because I kind of felt like I picked up issue one and then, of course, uh, the Jimmy Olsen special one and then picked up this Jimmy Olsen special two, which is like, you know, God, like months and months, months later. And he's just yeah, like, like, okay, six well, months or more. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he just picks it up right from there. Like, well, I've been out in the open. So Codename Assassin hasn't been able to come after me. But now, and it was just kind of like, huh, really? Um, I really kind of liked the Jimmy Olsen, you know, un- uncovering the conspiracies of the DC universe. I kind of thought that Robinson had kind of a had a good angle on it. Like it wasn't as quite as grim and gritty and absurd as the cry for justice stuff, but it did have, it was something more than just the whimsy that a lot of people are doing with Jimmy Olsen now. Yeah. It was also, definitely more than that. at the end of, I want to say it's last stand of new Krypton mm-hmm. or I no, it might be even further. It might be war of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, he does my favorite modern Jimmy Olsen thing in general, which is Jimmy Olsen has, basically other Jimmy Olsen's online that he can spread information through if he wants. Uh-huh. And they call themselves the News by Legion. Ah, uh, that's great. And I love that. I like no one has ever mentioned it ever like it's literally one line and no one ever mentioned it after that. And I was like, that's fucking great though. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh yeah. So no, Jimmy ends up being the one to spoiler but not really spoiler. Being ends up being the one who gets out the word about the conspiracy by passing it to his news by Legion, who then basically tell everyone. Right. So Jimmy, Jimmy brings down the conspiracy. Ah, lovely. In the end. Yeah, no, it's it was nice. Those two issues, which I read back to back, and both of them being forty-eight page comics or something like, it was a good chunk of comics all at a go, and surprisingly pleasing. Like I was kind of like, yeah, I I would be game for more of this kind of stuff because I honestly felt, despite the fact that you know, um. I like the fact that, that Robinson was able to grab a whole bunch of old characters from first DC first issue specials and bring them back and kind of have the freedom to do anything with them at that point, you know? And even when he has something like Dubalex die, it's kind of like, yeah, I can, I can accept it. I'm okay with it. It's, it's a couple of things. Firstly, uh, I don't know if you read Supergirl when Nick Spencer took over, but no. Cadmus very clearly in the Jimmy Olsen special is shut down and no more. Yes, absolutely. In the Supergirl uh, Supergirl thing, Cadmus is up and running and experimenting <laughs> in Kryptonians and like there's no explanation because no point is there a comic where it gets revealed that it's back up and running. Right. It just is, which, you know, great work editors. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing is I actually ended up rereading the last half of the whole new Krypton thing. Uh, oh, really? So, I, I mean, that completely randomly I didn't know you're doing this uh, and it, I've said in the past I thought that New Krypton and Grounded have basically broken Superman mm-hmm. I've completely changed my mind New Krypton didn't break Superman at all Grounded is what broke Superman mm. if they had gone back to regular Superman after New Krypton it would completely have worked because Superman as a character and Superman mythos are actually treated incredibly well in New Krypton mm. Mm. interesting and I would actually recommend them to sales over so I would recommend <laughs> 
I would have recommended this more before the sale. But um, if you like the Jimmy Olsen specials, you should actually grab the rest of it. You should definitely grab the the Robinson Run stuff, right? Because it's it's really good. And for all the shit that he got for Cry for Justice, which I think he deserves a lot of it. Well, that's not true. I think Cry for Justice deserves it, but I also am convinced that he was heavily rewritten, or was not. His heart was not in Cry for Justice because I think the Superman stuff reads like a different writer. Mm. Well, I you know I think I think Robinson is, and maybe this is not fair to him because I just have read very little of his stuff. But I feel like Robinson is not entirely in control of his tone, and I don't know if it's something where, like you said, where if editors get their hands on on it and try and change directions, or if he even if he gets the wrong artist. Like, it's just something that... Like, for example, I read the Superman Atlas stuff, and I thought it was pretty slight, and it was blown out kind of way too long. It really felt like the sort of thing that an old Silver Age Superman story would have wrapped up in about an issue. On the other hand, I could see that I really felt like he was telling something very much like a modern version of a Silver Age Superman story, and had a better understanding of that, I guess, than than most people who step in who want to do that. So, I, I don't know. I he's, he's an interesting dude. I kind of feel like, because I remember the new Krypton stuff was something that, as it was going on, I think you and other people were not exactly pleased with, like, the whole murder mystery angle. And but, yeah, there's I mean, a lot of vamping in there. There's a lot of vamping there. in there. Basically, yeah. what it feels like the last... Because it was... It ran World of New Krypton, which is 12 issues, then Last Stand of New Krypton, which is three issues, then War of the Superman, which is four issues. Mm-hmm. And it really, really, really feels like at least Last Stand of New Krypton should have been the second half of World of New Krypton. Mm-hmm. Um, because there really is vamping. All of a sudden, it's like got a very clear through line, and then it stops, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just stalling and stalling and stalling. And then a lot of that stuff gets resolved mm-hmm. in World of New Crypt and Last Time of New Crypt, mm-hmm. including that's when Superman is like, "I am, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm going back to being Superman. You know, tough. I I can't do both. Right." Um, which is the climax of World of New Crypt, except it doesn't happen there. Oh, wow. So, but at the same time, when you read it all in a oneer, mm-hmm. it's still very satisfying. Hmm. It's actually more satisfying reading, again, reading it when it's finished and reading it uh, all together than it was when it was coming out. Right. Hmm. Well, I, uh... if, if I were you, I'd try and get the collections out of the library. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking. Was I, it's like I don't necessarily feel like like dropping the coin for them, but if I can figure out a way to get hold of them, a book that uh, t- to get back to my voluminous list here. Um, although I don't know, at some point I think maybe you know what? Let's talk about what you've been reading because I think this is a pretty good I've, segue. With I've just started stuff. what I read. Uh, let's see, I read such as oh, I know what I was going to talk about. Aaron and Ahmed is a vertical graphic novel that is coming out next month. Hmm. Uh, and in its PR it gets ridiculously hyped up as in this will change the way you will read graphic novels from now on Wow! spoiler it doesn't live up to that (laughs) (laughs) Um, however I loved it on first read really was like this is a very very impressive work Hmm. this is asking questions I didn't expect to ask questions it's going places I didn't expect to go I really liked it but like mm-hmm. you said, two or three hours later, I was like, no, wait, it really fell apart in the end. Huh. It really horrendously fell apart in the end, and I didn't see it at the time. Um, the plot of it is, Aaron is a psychiatrist uh, whose fiancé dies in the Twin Towers falling on 9-11. Uh-huh. And so joins the army and ends up as a psychiatrist in Gitmo. Mm. where he decides that he is going to try and break a prisoner by making him fall in love with him. Mm. And so starts dosing the prisoner with estrogen. Right. And basically doing playing all these psychological tricks uh, mm. to make the prisoner trust him. In the process of this is happening, he begins to open up to the prisoner as a way of, you know, I'm telling you things, you can tell me things. The prisoner right. reveals that 
jihadists are programmed um, and that he will take the psychiatrists to where they're programmed. Mm. Uh, so Aaron essentially breaks him out of Gitmo. Right. He thinks that he has permission, mm-hmm. but not official permission. Mm-hmm. And he breaks him out of Gitmo and he takes him uh, back to Afghanistan. And with, this is pretty much where it starts to fall apart. Because where it starts to fall apart is Aaron himself gets programmed mm-hmm. and goes back as goes back worried that he might be a suicide bomber. Not mm-hmm. sure that he is, but worried that he might be. Right. And basically everything as soon as he gets back to America is really problematic. Mm-hmm. What a shame, because it really has such a lovely first two thirds, I guess. You yeah, know, no, it's, it's kind of there, there's a, I mean, and there's some wonderful, wonderful stuff. The uh, the narration while he's being programmed, mm-hmm. where he gets the conflict of this all sounds completely reasonable. This ties into my emotions. I understand what this is about. With I shouldn't. This is all lies. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what they want me to think. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. The the uncertainty of who is playing who is really right. well. Um, and it just it ends in a very melodramatic place mm-hmm. that I feel betrays everything that came before. Mm-hmm. But when I was first reading it, I was the momentum of my goodwill for the first half right. really took me through. I was like, that's problematic, but it's okay. But literally, the problems stayed with me much more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's 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 a really interesting book, and again, it, it's something that I I'm really surprised to see published. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, it sounds really sort of. It, you can't fault its ambition, if nothing else, you know. Um, and it really, I think it's kind of great that it's coming out from Vertigo, which is not exactly where I would have expected that material to land, you know. Yeah. Exactly. But. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, you should read it. But then I'm also thinking, it's a $30 hardcover. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a $30 hardcover where the ending falls apart. Right. So I'm not like, hey, you should put that money down. I know. Um, that does make it hard, doesn't it? It really does, because the first half is is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that if it was realized, I'd be like, definitely pick it up. Right. Definitely. Exactly. Then you could, at least you could make up your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, but it's not. It's a $30 hardcover. Wait wait for the paperback. Right. Right. Uh, the other thing I've read recently that's just coming out is, and in fact it's out today, is the first issue of Zombie. Mm-hmm. The, the I was really looking fight. forward to picking that up, yeah. Did you Do you remember the original series? I remember, A, that it was out and I never picked up an issue, and B, it was pretty much the, ish, the series that everyone continued to talk about after Milestone was over. If you could imagine Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol... Mm-hmm. crossed with Jonathan Carroll's novels from the 1980s mm. um, drawn by Fraser Irving that's pretty much what Zombie is this first issue right this, this first issue. shot now yeah. yeah so it's kind um, of awesome yes but it's also really rushed oh, there you get you get the idea that John Rosen the, the, I mean I'd love that it's John Rosen the guy who created the concept mm-hmm. with McDuffie is back for this series and tonally it's it's right there with the first series mm. But there's he's it's really rough because you get the feeling he's kind of like I'm going to get to the cliffhanger. I've got twenty pages. I'm going to get to the cliffhanger. I'm going to do as much as I can this first issue to get there. Right. And it's like I kind of wish you'd slow it down, mm-hmm. or at least pace it differently. There's a lot of here I am explaining everything that has led up to this point, and there's a lot. <laughs> I, would, whole, I would think the whole setup of zombie. He doesn't like to a, a, a rehash of the origin, but the whole setup mm-hmm. of zombie pretty much gets explained in two pages of narration. Jeez. Um. But he, but you also wish he'd had those two pages to flesh out that issue's story as well, right? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's flawed, but it's again well worth picking up. And a book that I like so much, it's probably not going to last past the six issue. <laughs> well, we'll see. It's, it's mean... just it's just so oddball. Unless DC have really, really decided that they're going to stand behind it. I, I I cannot believe it's going to get the sales. Well, you know who did decide that they're going to stand behind it? Uh, Brian Hibbs. Did you see his little column at, at Savage Critic that he posted? 
know about zombie? Yes. Yeah. He was... I'm, I'm looking right now. Yeah, you should go check it out. Loading, loading. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's pretty much like I refused to let anyone leave the store until they'd at least looked at the book. And he was also kind of like I sold out my entire run and I'm ordering something like two hundred percent of my original copies. So I, it's and and this I think is an incredible compliment to comics experience. It's very much a comics experience book. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's I mean, it really is like Grand Morrison's Doom Patrol, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but without being a copy of Grand Morrison's Doom Patrol. Right. Um, for one thing, like the, the the crazy imagination and weird puns are definitely there. There's a religious order where one of the nuns is called None of the Above. Oh yeah, or none the, as well as none. And, the there's none so wise as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. But that's done not with uh, what you know what Morrison might have brought, which would have been sort of acuteness about it. Right, uh, you know it, the the main character asks another nun, you know, and who are you? And she's pretty much like, "Fuck off, fuck <laughs> 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 you." Just goes. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's it's what's really nice about it is it. I honestly think this is a book that Fraser Irving like should stay on. It just right. seems such a match for his sensibilities. Uh, that would be fantastic. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, and also it's 22 pages. It's not just 20 pages, right? Yeah, Hibbs actually mentioned that 22 pages for for the 2.99. So, which is awesome. I hope. I don't know. I imagine that might get changed as it goes on. Maybe. Oh, I'm sure the second issue will be 20 pages. Exactly. <laughs> like we're like they finished the first issue and then they're like we're doing 20 pages there, boys. And they were like, uh, okay. Right. <laughs> like ah uh, fuck. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I'd say about the letters pages. Have you seen the letters pages in DC books recently? Uh, I have not. I saw. I, I, I love first of all they're doing net issue covers again. Love right. that. And secondly, love that they're doing. They're spending part of the page, although too much of the page. Someone at DC needs to learn better graphic design and/or get more letters in there. Um, saying you probably want to read up on this, these books to understand what's going on in the DC universe right now. Right. Which I think is a re- really smart idea. Advertising fabulous by saying, "Yeah, this is actually going to be important soon." Yeah, I think that would be great if it's actually legit. <laughs> well, they're they're starting with like some pretty basic stuff. It's like, have you read Identity Crisis? <laughs> but like that I, book I, that you want to forget never happened. We think it's essential. <laughs> but I'd I'd love if you know they actually all of a sudden were like you know. In Superman, Batman, this is, you know, you've just seen Superman 1 million. You might want to pick up the JLA 1 million book. That's where they right. come from. Exactly. So uh, we should give a shout out to that Luther 40 Cakes thing. because that's Oh, awesome. which is spectacular, isn't it? I love that's that. That's just great. I can't believe that they've worked that in there. So um, really, my hat's off. I'm really glad that both Allison and, and Dean Tripp sort of pointed us in that direction. I no, no, also, you, also, also, also love, did you see Paul Cornell's response? No. Okay, I was like, I've been trying to do that for months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fantastic. So, you know, listeners, if you're if you're a big fan of the old DC learn how to count books, um, there is an amazing shout out in the, the most recent issue of Superman. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to find the actual panel, seeing as it was it was linked. The panel says, as I wait for it to load, the panel doesn't say anything yet because it's not loaded. The panel says, Yes. I later found out that he, meaning Lex, was there for sealing 40 cakes from the school's bake sale. <laughs> In revenge for them, like, not letting him build what he wanted uh, to. Yeah, fish is toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Forty cakes, uh, and then um, I actually have not seen the panel recently that 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 lifts from. But I knew I knew the reference once it was sort of underscored and pointed out to me. Are you reading Superman these days, or are you? I'm a I'm a few issues behind. I think it, I think I'm two issues behind because I picked so, up the so first miss- Robertson yeah, issue. You're missing the good stuff. <laughs> uh, I picked up the first issue of the good stuff, Mister Smarty Pants, and then uh, I, yeah, I didn't. I forgot to pick it up the next time I was in the store. So, 
these things happen. So I've got yeah. one third of the good stuff, my friend. I, I have to say, talking about good stuff and, and stuff that I just never expected to see. Have you seen the DC solicits this month? Uh-huh. Have you uh, seen no. ha- ha- the showcase? The, the showcase they're doing this month is absolutely no joke. A showcase I said online that I wanted when they first announced the line, and I never thought they'd do. <laughs> the trial of the Flash. <gasps> no, are they Seriously, really? Seriously, they're doing the entire trial of Flash in one book. Oh my god, that's kind of awesome. I know, because oh. anyone who's listened to Tom vs. The Flash, and podcast listeners, if you've never listened to Tom vs. The Flash, you really, really owe it to yourself to listen to Tom vs. The Flash, specifically the trial episodes. Um, no, these aren't good comics. <laughs> um, but they're, they're reprinting the entire thing in one book. Wow. That, isn't that a bunch of issues, though? It's I mean... like 30 issues. <laughs> Seriously. It ran for a really, into... really fucking long time. Yeah, it was practically well, like a because year-long there's, there's storyline. Like, it's like a two-and-a-half-year-long storyline. I mean, it went on for... It's literally from 325 through 350. It's 25 issues. Um, not all of those... Like, I, There's at least a couple of fill-in issues in there. And some of them have backup strips, so it's not actually 25 full issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, they've done. I think they've done longer showcases. Mm-hmm. I want to say the most recent Justice League showcase is actually longer than that, because it's massive. It's it's. I want to say issue eighty one through one hundred and five. Wow. Yeah, that is huge. So yeah, but yes, honestly, I never ever thought they'd do it, and I've honestly wanted it since the announced line. Right. Well, um... so happy. <laughs> So, it's a tiger. Yeah, exactly. I totally have hit the jackpot with this coming. <laughs> oh, my my worry now is that it's going to get cancelled before it comes out. It's going it's going to be another squad uh, suicide squad thing. Oh, see, I always oh, assumed this. I picked up the the color trade suicide squad that just came up. Just came out. Oh, did they did they finally did they decide to go with color trades yep. instead I, of the first uh, eight issues plus the secret origins issue that was a prelude. Hmm. I remember that secret origins and issue. Is, Really good, mm-hmm. and it's. I I remember being like, these are definitely the worst of the budget issues, and it's still like head and shoulders of things that are being published right now. Yeah, yeah. No, that stuff's great. I really do hope that some that that, that gets some traction because I should jot that down. That would be kind of a fun thing to have. Um, actually, you know, that is one that I kind of wish that they would have in digital format. You know, like I don't really want the trades hanging around, and I have the old issues back somewhere. But I would love to have those sons of bitches on my iPad. Yeah, but now that I always basically think now that something is coming out in a collection, it's much more likely to appear digitally because they've done the cleanup work. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Well, I will. I'll keep my fingers crossed. Um, uh, and I think wasn't somebody talking about how they thought that the best way to get around this whole like thirty percent, you know, cut. Uh, everyone taking cuts out of the the you know Apple getting its thirty percent and Comixology getting its whatever thirty percent that rather than you know being stuck at a dollar ninety nine an issue like DC and Marvel should just you know basically do the equivalent of a trade paperback up for like you know eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine and just jam in a lot of material so it seems like a good deal and get but sort of more one of the reasons that I know that some publishers don't want to do that is there's a belief that is not necessarily borne out by facts and I think everyone would admit that that there's a certain upper limit of pages that people will read before they just give up mm. hmm. really yeah uh, huh would you mean in other words that people will read people with 24 page books but they won't necessarily read 196 page book or yeah. something like that yeah um, it's your mention of that. When do you think this podcast is going to go out? Because if it's going to go out after, oh no, it's definitely going to go out after tomorrow. I'm looking at this embargo yes. as soon as I have. Um, <laughs> there's, going, there's going to be big news about digital comics um, tomorrow. Tell me, tell DC me, Comics, tell our listeners. DC Comics, Image, Boom Studios, Dynamite, and many others, but very noticeably not Marvel, mm-hmm. are pairing with Comicsology. For the digital storefront affiliate program, uh, which is retailers, physical retailers, mm-hmm. using comicology 
to sell digital uh, right. publications. Yeah, wasn't that an idea that was bandied ar- about around Di- Diamond Comics Pro? Or yeah, Diamond, or? Diamond have already said that they're going That's to do it. that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I see. It's going to be really interesting to see. But the, these publishers, the problem with Diamonds is Diamond says, do it through us and you can't. And there's a 30-day limit to sell, selling it digitally anywhere else. Weird. Really? Yeah. Diamond basically say, if you do it through ours, any publisher signs up for us has a 30-day embargo before they can sell it digitally anywhere else. Jeez, that's a and Comixology does not seem to have that. But Comixology has the following publishers because there's a list. Right. They have a first salvo I've never heard of, A Wave Blue World, Ad House, Alterna, Antarctic Press, Arcana, Asylum Prince, Blue Water. So you know, awesome. We'll get Vincent Price comics. Boom. Com. <laughs> X. DC. De- Devil's Jew. Digital Webbing. Dynamite Entertainment. I got manga. Evil Twin, Keen Spot, Kickstart, Image, and All Image Imprints, Marcosia, Moonstone, Red Five, Slave Labor, Third World, and Viper Comics. Huh. And this is getting announced tomorrow. Interesting. I, I can sort of see, I'm sure that Diamond's 30-day freeze was something that retailers asked for. I personally feel that that should only be applicable to day-date purchases. But I, no, I, I, I think it is only applicable to Dane. Oh, okay, okay. I don't right. think it's like retroactive as in, no, right. I know you sold that before, and now you're selling that through us. <laughs> well, I just mean like, for example, if a digital copy of, say, Spider-Man The Wedding Issue becomes available, that that retailers get first crack at that for 30 days. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I, I definitely understand it when it's applicable to Dane Date. Although it's interesting, I can also understand why people are really not thrilled about that. I was fascinated because I kind of thought that um, thinking about the the idea that Apple's so insistent on getting its 30% cut of sales made in the app and you're not being allowed to sell things, you're not allowed to have an app where you can't sell things for the same price, is my understanding. Um I just sort of assumed that maybe a bunch of people would kind of be like, oh, okay, we should cut comiXology out of the equation. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, well, we can't cut out Apple, but we could turn around, pay the money, and build our own app and move our entire library over, you know? I'm not sure they'd like to do that because every... comiXology is providing a lot of stuff for these publishers. Oh yeah, huge amount of services. I mean, so I know the comicsology I, I, chops. I am not up. necessarily sure that mm-hmm. they would come out ahead if they cut out comicsology. Uh, I don't think they. Well, let's put it this way: I think that they would take a huge short-term loss um, if they cut out comicsology, and I don't know how long that loss, like for how long they would exactly how, how short-term is that loss? Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, so I could see that, for example, if I were Boom or if I were ComX or a variety of other things, I would be really dubious about investing in that infrastructure. But, you know, DC and Marvel, I would be like, I would be kind of all over that, you know. Uh, I I don't know about all over it. I think that that would be a really painful um, stage to cut because, honestly... I really, uh, you know, I was reading Comixology books back on the iPhone, which would have been entirely impossible if it hadn't been for their little, you know, um, panel scrolling technology. And I jumped over and I, you know, continued to read stuff on, on the iPad. It was only once I realized that a lot of the stuff that I wanted was never going to come to the digital marketplace that I started looking into, like, those old GIT collections and things like that you know mm-hmm. um but so i mean i love comiXology but i did kind of have that moment of like well if the pie's being split up that many ways you know uh it is kind of crazy in a way that you can that you have to pay more for a comic book than you do for angry birds you know say i mean i think it just really doesn't make a lot of sense in the marketplace for people i don't think they can necessarily understand it i could actually see marvel cutting out comicsology then it could right. dc because i feel the dc still although we'll see if this continues to be the case 
wants to play with other publishers in a way yeah. that Marvel wants to destroy other publishers. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say, like, comics. it's like I can see Marvel throwing its own mother under a bus, say nothing of comicsology. So it's like, oh, hey, Stan Lee, boop, right out into traffic, you know? Sorry, so, sorry Marvel. Sorry, Marvel. 